0: This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion one verse at a time. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me on the One Verse Podcast. I'm your teacher for this podcast, Jeremy Myers. Have you ever heard that illustration about the per- the person uh, walking a tightrope over Niagara Falls? And then he asks the watching crowd if he believes he can do it with someone in a wheelbarrow. They all say, yeah. And then he says, who wants to get in the wheelbarrow with me? And then the preacher goes, and of course nobody says they want to. And then the preacher goes on, or the Bible teacher says, you know, and that's what real faith is. If you're not willing to get into the wheelbarrow, then you don't have real faith. And the whole audience says, oh no, maybe I don't have real faith because I wouldn't get in the wheelbarrow. I wouldn't get in the wheelbarrow, would you? No, I don't think any of us would. So does that mean we don't have real faith? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be introducing the concept of faith and defining faith and then discussing that faulty and terrible illustration for faith. Now, I want to let you know that today's podcast episode comes from a book That I have finished writing, but it is uh, being edited and typeset right now, and it should be published in mid-January. In fact, you can go and pre-order it right now. It is on Amazon, the the Kindle version anyway, and the title of the book is What is Faith? All right, so uh, go ahead and pre-order that if you like today's podcast episode topic. It not only discusses this illustration, but whole bunch of other clarifications and ideas about what faith is, how faith works, how to know that you really have believed, and then we look at multiple uh, Bible passages from Scripture that that this understanding of faith makes more clear for you, okay? So uh, that is the book title, What is Faith? Coming out in mid-January, but it is available for pre-order now. As long as I'm talking about that, by the way, I want to let you know my book, What is Prayer?, is also on sale right now worldwide. So if you're in Canada or UK or Australia or United States or Mexico or India, wherever it is you might be listening, go to Amazon or, or Barnes & Noble or Apple or Kobo or Google Play even, wherever you like to buy your books, and it is on sale. Typically, depending on where you're at in the world, it's going to be $0.99 cents, um, and uh, you know, or, or cheaper or around that, you know in India it's 65 rupees. So anyway, um, <laughs> just go to Amazon and it's not going to be on sale for that uh, price too much longer, just another couple days. so make sure you get it before that price goes away. All right, so with all of that in mind, let's get into our study of the topic of faith. All right, so we're going to be discussing over the next several podcast episodes as I gear up toward that book launch in January. We're going to be talking about the concept of faith. And today, all I really want to do is sort of introduce the idea and then briefly define faith. And we will also look at that horrible, faulty, destructive, damaging illustration about faith, about the wheelbarrow. Being pushed over the tightrope over Niagara Falls. Along the way, we're going to talk about, not today, but in future podcast episodes, we'll be talking about the concepts of great faith and little faith. You know, whether there's such a thing as false faith or spurious faith, you probably have heard people talk about head faith versus heart faith, right? Uh, uh, maybe even uh, the faith of demons out of James chapter 2. You know, how do you know that, that, that you don't have the faith of demons or even the demons believe, right? You, you've heard all of these sorts of things. So that's what we're going to be discussing going forward. Today, all I want to do is introduce the key ideas about faith, the basic bare-bones definition of faith, and also discuss this illustration about the tightrope walker pushing the wheelbarrow over Niagara Falls. In fact, let me just tell you that story. If you are not familiar with this illustration, maybe it's best to just start off there. And here's sort of how the story is typically told in sermons or books or Bible studies or whatever. Okay, The story is, is usually goes like this. There once was a man who walked across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. After the tightrope had been fixed in place, he started gathering a crowd to watch his daring and dangerous feat. Come one, come all, he shouted into his bullhorn. Watch me walk above Niagara Falls, balancing on nothing more than this little rope. As people started to gather, he passed around a sample of the rope so people could see how small it was. "'One little slip and I will tumble to my death in the waters below,' he shouted. "'You never know when I might fall. The rope is getting wet from the misting water. A wind is coming up the gorge. I don't want to die, but today could be the day.'" As the crowd swelled even more, he shouted to those who had gathered, Who believes I can walk across the falls and back without falling to my death below? Most of the crowd shouted that they believed he could do it. Many of them cheered him on to try it. So he climbed up onto the rope and balanced his way across Niagara Falls. When he reached the far side, he turned around and came back. He didn't slip. He didn't fall. In fact, he barely wobbled or wavered. So when he returned to the safety of the shore, he motioned with his hands for the cheering crowd to quiet down. That was too easy, he yelled. That wasn't a challenge at all for me. Let's make it more difficult. Who believes I can do it again, but this time while pushing a wheelbarrow? If my hands are on the wheelbarrow, I will not be able to use them to balance on the rope. Shall I give it a try? Do you believe I can do it? He motioned to a nearby wheelbarrow, which he had brought for this very purpose. The crowd cheered their approval, which caused the number of gathering people to swell even further. So, with the help of two nearby men, he lifted the wheelbarrow up onto the rope and then started pushing it across the falls. He went more slowly this time and even had a few wobbles, which caused the crowd to gasp and cry out with fear. But he made it to the other side and back without any great problem. The crowd went wild. That was too easy, he yelled. Who believes I can do it again, but this time with another person in the wheelbarrow? The crowd roared their approval. All of them wanted to see this. I would not only be risking my own life, but also the life of the person in the wheelbarrow. The man shouted to the crowd. With a show of hands, let me see how many of you believe I can do this. Almost every person in the large crowd raised their hand. It was nearly unanimous. "'Wonderful! I am so glad to see you have such faith in me! "'I think I'll give it a shot!' the man yelled. "'Now, among all of you who raised your hand, "'do I have a volunteer to get into the wheelbarrow?' "'Every single hand in the large crowd went down. "'What?' said the man. You've seen me walk across Niagara Falls twice without any problems, once while pushing this wheelbarrow, and most of you believe I can do it again with someone else in the wheelbarrow with me. But when I ask which of you wants to get into the wheelbarrow, none of you volunteer. Do you believe I can do it or not? But there were no takers, so the crowd did not see him push someone across Niagara Falls in a wheelbarrow. That day. So that's the story. And it's likely fictional. People have walked across Niagara Falls, but I don't know that one has ever pushed a wheelbarrow. And I guarantee no one has ever pushed someone in a wheelbarrow, unless the maybe the person in the wheelbarrow was specially trained as well. I don't know, but it's most likely fictional. The story, and and yet, <laughs> it's a very common illustration used by some pastors and preachers and authors as an example of faith. And usually the sort of application or the point of the story is this. They say, see, it's not true faith unless you get into the wheelbarrow. These people, this is what the pastor says, these people on the shore didn't really believe. They just said they believed. They raised their hand claiming that they had faith the man could do it. But it's not enough to say you believe, it's also not enough to raise your hand. It's not enough to claim you have faith. If you really believe, you have to get into the wheelbarrow. Otherwise, you have false faith, spurious faith, temporary faith. And then usually the pastor goes on to tell the audience how they can have true and effective and real faith. And usually what happens is the pastor says that they need to prove the reality of their faith by good works or life of perseverance and faithfulness or, you know, whatever it might be, all right? And, uh, and so that's usually how the sermon goes. And of course, if they don't have the good works or the life of faithfulness or the perseverance and obedience or whatever it is, which the pastor is pushing that day— Uh, Then the pastor says this proves that they didn't have real faith, and they're just like this audience on the shore that raised their hand but didn't really believe because none of them wanted to get into the wheelbarrow. And that's usually how the sermon goes. And most people hearing a sermon like that, (laughs) you can imagine if you've ever heard one yourself, you go away feeling discouraged and upset and worried and afraid and fearful that maybe you don't actually have real faith. And if you don't have real faith, then that means that maybe you aren't really a Christian. Do you see the damage that this sort of illustration causes? The thing is, is once you understand what faith is, how faith works, how the Bible defines and explains and illustrates faith, the truth of the matter is, is that you can know that you have really believed. You can know that you are really a Christian. You can know today, right now, that you really have everlasting life. You can know, ready? You can know that you are already in the wheelbarrow. (laughs) And it is the safest place you could possibly be. Now. We're going to talk about all of that in today's podcast episode, but I do guarantee that what I talk to you about today will probably raise more questions and issues in your mind. So this means that you are going to have to listen to the future podcast episodes, and also, if you want to, get that book that comes out in January, okay? So let's just begin today, though, by talking about the definition of faith. I'm going to go through this fairly fast, it's going to raise some questions for you, but um, I've looked at all of the uses of the word faith, the, the noun and the verb in uh, Greek and Hebrew, and studied all the lexicons and grammars and everything else, okay, and and um, the various passages where it's used. And basically what it comes down to is that when we begin to define the word faith, we need to get rid of our English understanding of what faith is and is not, because our English usage of the word faith does not match the Greek and Hebrew usage of the word faith, all right? Uh, The way we use the word faith today bears almost no resemblance to the way it was used in the Bible. Today, and you've heard this, today when people use the word faith or the word believe, uh, it's the same word in Greek, by the way, we tend to sort of use it as a synonym for hope or wishful thinking, right? So we say, I believe the Red Sox are going to win the World Series, all right? So you hear that? I use the word believe. And then I talked about some future event that eh, it might happen, but it eh, might not. I've heard people say, I believe, I have faith, right? I'm going to win the lottery. (laughs) Well, that is almost certainly not going to happen. And yet some people think that if they just believe it strongly enough, right, just have faith (laughs) that they can make the impossible happen. And so that is sort of how people today think of the words belief and faith as sort of a wishful thinking, sort of a, a hope, and um. But but that is not the way the Bible defines or uses the word faith. It is not the way the word uh, the Greek the, the noun is pistis and the uh, verb is pistuo in Greek. This is not the way these words were used in biblical times. Here's how they here's what they meant back then. Here's how they are used in the Bible. In the Greek New Testament, the word faith uh, or believe belief is most commonly used in reference to something that a person knows to be true. All right? Uh, That they are certain, that they are, it's a fact, it's stating a fact. For New Testament era Christians, to believe something or to have faith means that they were persuaded or convinced of the truth of it. They knew it to be true. And so even though in modern English usage, hope or wish are, you know, good synonyms for faith, in biblical usage, a synonym for faith, a good synonym for faith is the word no. All right, so would you say, I know for a fact that the Red Sox are going to win the World Series? No, you wouldn't say that because you don't know that. Therefore, in biblical Greek-Hebrew usage of the word faith, you would not use the word believe or faith there either, okay? Uh, But anything you know to be true, I know I am a man. Therefore, I believe I am a man. That is a biblical usage of the word faith, all right? Uh, And and New Testament Greek lexicons uh, often support this. Typically, when you look up a Greek lexicon, other uh, biblical Hebrew lexicons and so on. There's sort of, uh, depending on the lexicon, three basic definitions for faith that they talk about. And uh, one of them is when it has the article, the word the, in front of it. We'll talk about this in a future podcast episode. Basically, usually the word faith in the Bible does not have the word article. It's just faith or believing, something like that. But when it has the word article, it, it refers not to this, what I just said, knowing, but really to sort of a body of beliefs that identify a particular religious group, okay? so And we use it this way as well uh, today, articles of the faith, sort of an idea. So the articles of Christianity, and we talk about the various faiths or the various belief systems, right? So we might talk about the Christian faith, the Muslim faith, the Jewish faith. Right, these sorts of ideas, and, and that 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 is it happens in the Bible as well. There's lots of passages, for example, Acts six seven and Romans four eleven and others, where uh, they are talking about the body of beliefs that make up Christianity. Okay, that's the first way. It's fairly rare, but it is a definition. Second, uh, some uh, not some Greek lexicons do point out that some of the words they think should be translated as faithfulness. Now, you think about this. Is there a difference between faith and faithfulness? Yes, there is. Faithfulness is sort of an ongoing life of obedience and dedication, a fidelity sort of an idea, okay? And so some Greek lexicons say that there are few places uh, that the the, the word pistis or pistio could be translated as faithfulness or fidelity. Now, again, I'm going to save that for future podcast episodes as well, because I disagree. I've looked up them. Uh, There's like six or seven of them, and I think that only three are really possible could be translated this way. But when you look at these three in their context, I don't agree that they should be translated as faithfulness or fidelity at all. Okay? So, uh, again, we'll discuss all that in a future podcast episode as well. The third and final definition for pistis and pistua word family— is by far the most common over 180 times in the new testament it simply means believing faith or belief something like that okay and in every single case it refers to uh, something that a person knows to be true all right so this is the primary lexical definition of the verb it means to consider something to be true All right, Uh, uh, it's a a confidence, a persuasion, a conviction that something is true. uh, You have faith when you are fully persuaded by the evidence that is presented to you. Uh, To to believe, this is um, another definition I found, to believe is to be persuaded that some declaration is true. If you think something is true, then you believe it. All right, C.S. Lewis taught this sort of thing, N.T. Wright, uh, Robert Wilkin, uh, Joseph Dillo it came out of uh, Bauer, Art Gingrich, and, and the, the B.A.G.D. Uh, a lexicon. Okay, anyway, that's the biblical definition of faith, to know that something is true, to be persuaded or convinced that something is true. All right? So, and in fact, we even see this in the, in, uh, the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 11.1, 1, I think, is a very good definition of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Notice this, this: there's this language here of evidence and substance. They're bringing into reality something that we hope for, all right? And, and considering the evidence of things we have heard or the things we have not yet seen, that sort of a thing, okay? The author of Hebrews is saying that faith substantiates or brings into reality that which we have only hoped to be true. All right? So uh, the basic bare bones, bottom-line definition of faith, it is the evidence, conviction, or confidence of some fact, something we know to be true, something maybe we cannot see, but we've been told. All right? Uh, Yeah, we believe things we have seen, but we can also believe things we have not seen. And the, the author of Hebrews goes on to describe some of those in the faith chapter. Yeah, Hebrews chapter 11, this hall of faith, okay? Now, I know that raises a lots of questions in your mind um, about how you can possibly have certainty, right? If I've said that faith is certainty or conviction or persuasion that something is true, I mean, just think about it. Is there anything in life, or especially in theology sometimes, that you can be absolutely certain about? You probably don't think so. And maybe you've heard some of these other illustrations out there about the the like Greg Boyd uses this house of card and house of, house of cards analogy where you know Christians construct this house of cards of their beliefs and when the bottom one gets pulled out the whole thing comes crashing down. Uh, Peter Enns has this book called The Sin of Certainty, where he argues against this idea about faith being certainty and and says that we really should include doubt in our faith and all these other things. Okay, I'm going to be talking about all that in future podcast episodes because I disagree with both Peter Enns and Greg Boyd and this whole idea about faith including doubt and uncertainty. I believe that faith is the opposite of doubt. And faith is the opposite of uncertainty. They are mutually exclusive. But we will talk about all that in the future, okay? Future podcast um, episodes. For today, with this definition of faith, let me just go back and let's look once more at this wheelbarrow illustration and understand what is actually going on in the mind of the people on the shore as they hear this invitation from the man to get into the wheelbarrow. Okay. first of all, the people know that the man can walk across Niagara Falls on the tightrope. How do they know this? Because they've just seen him do it. So since they know it because they've seen him do it, they believe it. So when he says, do you believe I can walk across Niagara Falls on this tightrope? Yes, they do believe that. They'd seen him do it. Okay. now what about with the wheelbarrow? They'd seen him do this as well. He went across Niagara Falls with a wheelbarrow and back with a wheelbarrow. So yes, they believed that as well. In both cases, their faith is absolutely real and genuine. Based on what they had seen him do, Okay, based on this, they also stated their belief that he would be able to do it with somebody in the wheelbarrow. And you think about it, do you believe that a person like that could push somebody across Niagara Falls in a wheelbarrow? I hope you believe that. I believe it's possible. Okay? So, their belief is genuine and real in that instance as well. But then why didn't any of them get in the wheelbarrow? You know, does this mean they didn't actually believe? No. Their belief was genuine. Their belief was real. They did actually believe. So why didn't they get in the wheelbarrow? Well, there's several reasons why they didn't. First of all, walking across Niagara Falls on a tightrope has inherent risk. Right. That's why it's so thrilling to watch. That's why the man is able to gather a crowd. right? And given all of the things that can go wrong in such a situation many of which are completely out of the control of the man on the wheelbarrow, or the man on the tightrope, right? Even though they believe he can walk across an Falls on a tightrope, pushing a wheelbarrow with somebody in the wheelbarrow, here's the, here's the significant point. There is no guarantee that he will do it. All right, look, even if he did this a thousand times, let's say he got a bag of cement and put that in the wheelbarrow, went back and crossed with it. And then he uh, got a specially trained other person to uh, get in the wheelbarrow with him, who also was a tightrope walker and could maintain his balance. And he went back and forth across with them. And then he took a person from the crowd and uh, trained them on a, 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 a tightrope that was over ground, you know, one foot off the ground. And they did this a thousand times. And he never fell off. There is still no guarantee that when he goes across Niagara Falls, he's not going to fall. Why? Well, again, maybe the rope became especially slick. Maybe a rainstorm comes out of nowhere. Maybe there's a strong gust of wind. Okay, all of these things are out of the control of the man on the tightrope. Maybe a bird flies out of the air and knocks him in the head. Maybe he has a heart attack when he's out there. There's all of these circumstances. That even though the man could do this a thousand times, here's what else the people in the audience know for sure. They know for sure that eventually there will come a time when the man and whatever's in his wheelbarrow tumbles off to their death below. There's too many variables to control and the man is not in control of most of them. So even though they know he can do it they believe he can do it they also know that is they also believe that he cannot always do it. All right? And none of the people on the shore wanted to be in that wheelbarrow when that time came when he slipped and fell. To his death below. So, what's going on in the mind of the people on the audience and on the shore? And again, none of them are analyzing this, but you and I are because we're tearing apart this illustration, this faulty illustration for faith that creates fear and shame and guilt in the minds of so many Christians. People on the shore had two conflicting beliefs in their head. First, they believed the man could walk across Niagara Falls and that he would be able to do it many, many, many times, including with a person in the wheelbarrow. However, they also believed in scientific facts and statistics, both of which say that eventually the tightrope walker will fall. It is the statistical certainty So related to this, you know, when the people on the shore, you know, they might have full faith in the tightrope walker's ability to maintain his balance. Okay. But notice what else? None of them had full faith in their own ability. They might say, you know what, that tightrope walker, he could do it 10,000 times, but I don't think I can. So this is also what is going through the mind of the people on the shore. They're thinking, what if I get halfway out there and uh, I sneeze? (laughs) right? And I knock us off balance. So even though he might have the ability, I don't think I do. I, if I get in that wheelbarrow, I'm going to have to stay perfectly still. I'm going to have to hold my breath and make sure I don't lean one side too much the other or sneeze or cough or have to go to the bathroom. Or what if I get too scared and I panic and I freak out? Okay. So again, that also is a belief or in this case, a lack of belief in the minds of the people on the shore. They might have believed that the tightrope walker could do it, but they did not believe that they themselves could do it. They also were a factor. Their bodies and minds were a factor. They were outside of the control of the tightrope walker. Okay? So, here again, we're just seeing all of these beliefs, and I want you to remember this. We're talking about all these various beliefs they are separate but connected beliefs in the minds of the people on the shore and all of them are at play in their decision to not get in to the wheelbarrow and the fact that they didn't get in the wheelbarrow doesn't mean they didn't believe that the man couldn't do it. there was a lot of negatives in there but you get the idea they did believe he could do it They didn't believe he could always do it, and they weren't sure that he could do it with them in the wheelbarrow. There were millions of random variables that were out of his control. Okay? So, here's how this helps us with God. Let's turn it around, bring some theology back into this to close us out for today. Part of the problem with this illustration is that when Pete— pastors and teachers and preachers use this illustration, they are equating the promises of God with the invitation of the tightrope walker. Or maybe they're equating the promises of Jesus, the offer of the gospel for eternal life, or whatever it might be, with the offer of the tightrope walker. But notice the differences. God is not a tightrope walker, right? Who eventually is going to make a mistake. You know, if we just give him enough time. Look, if God promises, if this was a promise in Scripture, that he will always take a, take us across Niagara Falls, you know, speaking spiritually here, a spiritual tightrope, God will fulfill that promise every single time, forever and ever, throughout all eternity, without fail. There are no spiritual or natural variables which can wreak havoc with the promises of God. By the way, the same goes for Jesus. When Jesus makes a promise, it is a promise with a 100% guarantee. Like God, Jesus is fully reliable. And furthermore, right? Remember the people on the shore? They said, well, maybe the tightrope walker can do it, but I'm not sure I can. Well, many of the promises of God, especially the promises to give us eternal life, thankfully, they're not dependent on us at all, on our own effort, on our own good works, or our own life of obedience or faithfulness or involvement or anything, okay? If we were to equate—let's just turn this around. If we were to equate our eternal life with getting into the wheelbarrow to be pushed across a tightrope over Niagara Falls— then here's what it would actually look like. We would have to say that you could do absolutely anything you want in that wheelbarrow. You could jump around and do jumping jacks and flips, and you could even try to jump out of the wheelbarrow if you wanted to. But no matter what, Jesus is not going to let you fall. (laughs) That is an accurate illustration. Now, if that was the case, if the man said, look, I don't care what you do in the wheelbarrow for number one, you know, I can do this 10 million, billion, trillion times, and I'm never going to fall. And you knew for a fact he was telling the truth. We know that with God. And you get in this wheelbarrow, I don't care what you do. Do jumping jacks, take a nap, sleep, jump out for all I care. I don't want you to do that, but if you do, it's fine. I got you. We'll get across Niagara Falls. Look, if that was the promise, and I knew it was true, which I know is the case with Jesus, (laughs) Yeah, I'm in the wheelbarrow right away. Okay? And in fact, that is the promise of Jesus, right? John 10, 27 to 29, we are safe and secure in his hands, and he will never let us go. Nothing can take us out of his hands. We can't even take ourselves out. That is the promise of Jesus. And when we refuse to believe his promises, it's simply because we're refusing to believe that Jesus knows what he's talking about. If Jesus makes a promise, I don't think I'm going to trust Jesus on that promise. Look, what you've just done is that Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. Jesus is fully reliable and trustworthy. So you can believe him for what he says. All right? And he is going to take you across Niagara Falls. And there is nothing that you or anyone or anything— can do to stop him. Romans 8, 38 and 39. Neither height nor depth, right, can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So, this is sort of the basic definition of faith, and it's it's knowing with certainty the truth about something. Future podcast episodes, we will talk about how this faith is developed, how you come to believe something. You can't choose to believe, you can't make a decision to believe. Hey, you are persuaded by the facts when they are presented to you. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about this whole thing about head faith and heart faith. Talk about de- the faith of demons in James 2. We're going to talk about uh, various misconceptions and false ideas about faith. How to know you believe believed. How all of your various beliefs interact with each other. And with each one of these, we will be looking at various texts of Scripture. Some Bible. This is the one verse podcast after all. So that uh, these clarifications and ideas about faith help you understand the Bible in a better and more clear way. So, I hope you do join us in future podcast episodes. I will be trying to do one per week. That's my goal, usually on Wednesday going forward. Um, if you just cannot wait, though, go ahead and get my book. Of course, even that, I, I take that back, even that is about a month away from being released. So, uh, you, you, I guess you'll have to wait on that as well. Oh, you know what? I have a lesson in my online online uh, discipleship group in the Gospel Dictionary online course. I have a lesson in there on faith. So you can take that lesson and uh, get some of this in advance. Just go to redeeminggod.com join to learn more. All right. Hey, thanks for listening. Hopefully this illustration about the wheelbarrow makes a little more sense in your mind now. And uh, this definition of faith helps clear up some things about what you actually believe and how you know you believe. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week when we continue to talk about faith and uh, provide some clarifications. I think we're going to look at, um, I'm going to provide you with a better illustration about faith that's going to help make sense of how your various beliefs work together and interact and how you come to believe them. Okay, thanks for listening. We'll see you then. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. i